Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something that, so I had seen this film before. I forget, you had seen it too? Yeah, I had seen it a couple times. Okay. This is my second time. I totally, totally missed um, this the first time, but the second time around, I was like, how did I, how did I, because it slaps you upside the head from the get-go. Mm-hmm. The huge motif of yin and yang. Oh, yeah. I totally, totally, you know, like down to the fact that like, he's always in black, she's always in white, and he wears a white bead and she wears a black bead. I yeah. was like, no. They're <laughs> each other's literally like other halves. Literally, um, yeah. They're even like always positioned on each other like a yin and yang. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Primarily the sources I pulled for this are just Wikipedia and IMDb. I didn't do too much behind the scenes. I have a couple historic points as we go through it. And then I have a YouTube. I did watch four videos from two professors talking about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I watched videos from i think it's pronounced hours it's spelled like h the number eight u-r-s mm-hmm. and it's philosophy professor katya Vok and artist jens haas talking about the film it's interesting if you if you want a good in-depth discussion i recommend it they don't really go into philosophy and art until the later parts but it's just interesting because one of the guys jens apparently actually was on a flight sitting next to Jim Darmish oh. I was like oh my goodness he's sitting right next to me should I ask him something and he was like and instead I just watched him <laughs> and didn't do anything he was creepier like, yeah <laughs> very weird but interesting because that's like a part of the film is being on a flight and then being like so happy you don't have to sit next to anybody or <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay I don't know if you want to get into some of the things you watched in those videos first or if we want to jump in and mm-hmm. you can pepper it throughout I'll pepper it throughout. Yeah, it's pretty much, I guess I'll say about this film, I didn't, it didn't, it was a deep exploration, like it it deals with some heavy topics, but it didn't feel like a very deep, deep, deep film to me, if that makes sense, like it was enjoyable, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't think anything in this film is particularly deep, and I I honestly think it wasn't meant to be, because I think part of what they're trying to say in the plot is like, when you live for so long nothing is a big deal anymore. Nothing really matters. It's just like everything washes over you in time, which is not as like depressing (laughs) as it sounds, (laughs) but it's just literally you're just observing these people. Great. Let's, let's get into it. Oh, I also want to say the soundtrack. Fantastic. I tried to note what song is playing as we're going. So you'll, you'll know most of them. Go ahead. One thing I, they also noted that I was not aware of, Jim Jarmusch, they think that it's a little bit of a self-insertation that he's Adam, because apparently he was in a band, and he's spoken about going through a very depressive time. So now thinking about that, too, I'm like, I wonder if he also romanticizes all of these, quote-unquote, men of the great men. Of the oh, probably. We'll discuss. We'll discuss. So starting off, we first hear Funnel of Love by Wanda Jackson playing on a record player, while Tilda Swinton, who plays Eve, yes, they're called Adam and Eve, um, <laughs> is laying on the floor uh, of a bedroom surrounded by books. <clears throat> and screen, even from this shot, we established that they're they're black and white, yeah. blue and red. <laughs> the screen is spinning like a record, which now we flip over to Tom Hiddleston, who plays Adam who's on a couch while also listening to the same music. 
while holding a lute surrounded by musical instruments. The song ends and Eve gets up. Adam is, they're not in the same place, actually, to clarify. So you're flipping back and forth pretty often here. But Adam is at home watching a security camera where someone gets out of a car and rings his doorbell. Then the person goes back to their car and go grabs a bunch of music equipment. Back to Eve. She is somewhere in a Middle Eastern country or North African country. We find out which one later. Watching people go about their business at night Mm -hmm. just out of her window. And this interesting, I think it's from the window. It might be when she's on the street, but we see a glimpse of a child, I think, for a moment. And that's the only time we ever see any kids the whole film, which is interesting. (laughs) Yeah, there are no kids in this film at all. I didn't even think about that. I guess maybe because it's at night, but also it's just a theme of Jim Jarmusch's. He doesn't ever include children in his movies. What else has he made? The thing I think that most people would know, it's called Dead Man. It's got Johnny Depp in it, like in a big furry coat and a weird hat. And it's all black and white. Um, oh. That's his most well-known film. But also Strangers in Paradise is one that I watched in school. A couple other ones. He's got, shoot, what was the other one that's mostly known? Oh, Down by Law. I didn't actually see that one, but I read about it. But he's just, in general, he's a very slice of life. The plot is as boring as humans are kind of thing. There's not ever a quote-unquote plot. <laughs> it's just kind of, here's this person in this situation. What will they do? That's really interesting. I've never heard of any of those. He must have some kind of Hollywood clout if he's getting these big name stars in multiple of his works. So, And that none of his movies ever return well. People just love him. Like Dead Man, like I said, Johnny <laughs> mm-hmm. Depp cost nine million, came back with one. Oof, oof. And Neil Young did the entire music. Like, wow. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who he knows. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay. Just, well, yeah. Back to it. Mm -hmm. The man who came to Adam's house, his name is Ian, walks up the stairs while talking about how difficult it was to find that music equipment and also a 1959 Supra guitar. Mm -hmm. Adam is pleased with this find and names it after a 17th century English composer. Mm -hmm. Ian then shows him some more guitars and Adam mentions that he saw Eddie Cochran play it. But when questioned, because that was a long time ago, claims it was just on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> now, this also begins an interesting, an interesting like motif or like mm-hmm. common theme of the only way that they really live and experience all, our culture is through like the internet. Yeah. And that's also how we are experiencing our own culture. Of course, yeah. they couldn't have imagined what would come in the future, but it's, it's it really did feel different watching it this, this time of oof, like... We're all kind of living the same way. That's true. I also find it interesting, as you'll hear throughout, Adam is very much stuck in the past. I'd probably say he's stuck in like somewhere between the 60s and the 80s, 1960s, 1980s. Eve is like pretty modern, which is interesting because his like interests are all like electronic basic music. And she's just really into books, but she's the one with like at the time the most modern iPhone. And right. just using it and knows how to call and make her flights. And he is on a landline still. It's very right. interesting. I don't know. I'm sure that there's an actual term for it, but she seems, even though she does have possessions, she's much more like physically light, I would say. And he has a lot, he's a lot more bogged down by owning a ton of things and less new information all 
previous like all old creations even though he's an art maker which is such a weird juxtaposition of he only likes old things but he's making new content you know yeah <laughs> very interesting so eve leaves her home and wanders around the local market back with ian he tries to convince adam to release his music but <laughs> adam feels like quote is a drag which mm-hmm. i just found funny I, hearing him say, especially with his accent and just like slightly antiquated slang. Yeah. <laughs> Adam then asks Ian to get him a special bullet made out of the hardest and most dense wood he can find. Ian says he thinks he can find someone to make it, but he doesn't know what for. Mm-hmm. Adam claims it's for a secret art project and explains that the shell casing can be brass, but the bullets themselves need to be that kind of wood specifically. Mm-hmm. As he starts to lead Ian out, um, Ian offers to get him some extra stuff, but he keeps declining. So then Ian's, can I use your bathroom? And Adam very awkwardly claims it's out of order and like, <laughs> like <years>. angrily refuses <laughs> when Ian's, oh, I'll just get someone to fix it for you. Fix it myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> he says, feel free to piss in the garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. Um, Eve is still walking over in this mystery place and heads into a cafe. At said cafe, she sits down and waits for the owner, Bilal, and she asks for someone, and Bilal says he's in good spirits, but he is fragile. He continues saying he, whoever this person is, is family, and he protects his secrets and hers too. Adam then leaves his house dressed like (laughs) insurgent scrubs, before driving his classic car through a derelict part of Detroit to a hospital. And this was also, like, just to give it, again, context, when the film came out, Detroit started swinging back, but during the setting, like, it was still in its big um, slump from everything happening. And I don't remember if it was also when the water started getting bad, but it was kind of like, literally everything was going bad in, like, 2012 when the film was being shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Detroit's had a slight upswing since then, and they're trying to revamp their city, but... Yeah, and it's it's just funny, because that's not funny, but literally Eve was saying that in the film, it will come back, like, it'll swing back up, and no, it's... Yeah, I was just completely (laughs) depressed. No, it won't, and she's... Yeah, I have the quote of what she says later. (laughs) But, so, Adam's leaving the house, dressed like a surgeon, driving a cool classic car, which is also fitting because he's in Detroit, and that's where mm-hmm. they used to be made. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the hospital, passing staff. No one questions him. Back with Eve, an older man comes out the back and has a bag from a pharmacy. She notes that it's only an hour before sunrise and asks if, if it's the good stuff from the French doctor. The good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She asks after him using his real name, Christopher Marlowe, and he tells her not to call him that name in public, but she scoffs and laughs about how he's been wearing like his clothing items for four centuries. Yeah. As an aside, Christopher Marlowe is a real 16th century English playwright, poet, and translator. So yeah. this was a real person. I, I And that's, again, something I did not pick up my first viewing. I just thought it was a name they came up with. And I... Which credit to our school system again? Never heard of him. Apparently, he influenced Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I also <laughs> did not know that until this yeah. time watching it, because I just decided to Google the name just to check. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Also, our schooling 
barely focuses on literature. That's right. not like the biggest one. And I couldn't find like they use they reference Dr. Faust. That's one of his plays, but Dr. Watson, I guess, is just another throwaway reference to old media because yeah. he didn't write anything with obviously like it's before. <laughs> so Eve thinks it's it'd be fun to drop a hint that he's living undead. But he thinks the world has enough chaos as it is, which he is correct. <laughs> but I'm also going to say, would it be, would it cause that much chaos if he was like Christopher Marlowe was alive? No. Would be like, Who? <laughs> yeah, I both see. <laughs> <laughs> who, who said what? He's a what? <laughs> oh, that crazy old man thinks he's a vampire. Awesome. <laughs> so she kisses him on the cheek, takes the bag, and leaves. But she left him one of the bags. With Adam, it's like a drug deal almost. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. He interrupts a phlebotomist who's doing lab work by just quietly standing behind him and not uh. saying anything. When the guy eventually notices and gets very startled, Adam has named himself Dr. Faust. Haha. Uh-huh. And he exchanges some money for blood. Dr. Watson, who is the actual phlebotomist, asks him to meet. Uh, so outside the hospital sometimes for his personal safety, but Adam wants the mutual risk. Dr. Watson fills his, he has like an old timey doctor bag that he brought to everything he does is super integrated mm-hmm. with type O negative blood vials and lets Adam know that his stethoscope is also super old, like from the sixties and isn't fooling anyone. <laughs> and then Adam just kind of like turns around and leaves. <laughs> he doesn't say anything. As he's leaving, he sees a woman bleeding heavily from her leg, and he stops and stares longingly at her before leaving. Eve is just walking home through the streets. Mm-hmm. At home, we see this in successive shots. Adam, Eve, and Christopher all fill these very small wine glasses with blood and drink them reverently. And we finally see their fangs since they're all vampires. As we've spoiled like, mm-hmm. in the very beginning. So then... Adam, oh, and I also realized they never use the term vampire, I don't think. They don't. Which no. is interesting in itself because it's like the, the film is a big commentary on art, I think, artists. And um, just the fact that we don't even have to say it is cool. Twilight had come out like four or five years prior to this. Yeah. So it's an interesting commentary on uh, just post postmodernism. And art reflecting art or art reflecting life, life reflecting art. Yeah, I feel like uh, the concept of vampire is pretty ubiquitous around the world. So mm-hmm. if you have the motif of like only going out at night, fangs and drinking blood is like universally understood as a vampire mm-hmm. in some context. But I do like that it could just be like, there are those groups, those groups of people that call themselves vampires and force <laughs> themselves to drink tiny bits of blood. Yes, <laughs> there's a name for them. This doesn't sound crazy. I started watching Criminal Minds again, which oh my gosh, I love. But also, even though I'm such a spooky lady, Criminal Minds specifically gives me nightmares. But it doesn't matter because I like it, so I'm watching it again. <laughs> and they had an episode where they used the correct term to describe like, what you're talking about, and I watched it like two days ago. Yeah. Hmm. Clinical vampirism, maybe. Hmm. Clinical. Oh God. Yeah. Maybe they could have been. That'd be funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Adam then, I'm sorry, Eve calls Adam on an iPhone and he has some janky old landline. He wants to see her 
And he has to do some complicated shit with a bunch of computers to get like the video to work while she just <laughs> turns on FaceTime. <laughs> this is when we learn that they're in a relationship because she calls him sweetheart and just the way they talk to each other. She tells him he looks tired and he says that he is. He doesn't say what's wrong and she becomes pretty concerned. They also then reveal that they are married. He said <laughs> he is depressed about the state of the world. And she reminds him that he missed a lot last time this happened. And he calls humans zombies, which I think is interesting. Yeah. It's funny because it's like the whole time, like they're supposedly to him the zombies, but he's the one like slumping around half dead, not doing literally anything. (laughs) And also like a literal undead monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's like, okay, come visit me in Tangier. So that's what we learned. She's in Morocco. Mm-hmm. Come visit me in Tangier and reminds him, you love the music here. He says nothing. So she's okay, I'm gonna come to you, even though again, traveling is a drag. Mm-hmm. Fun. <laughs> Fun use of that term. Loves it. <laughs> After they hang up, Adam plays the drums and Eve dances around her room for a while, almost like she can hear the music that he's playing. Yeah. And it's again kind of um like while he's playing the drums, like little ghosts of himself walk around. Mm-hmm. And it's just showing how he doesn't even remember what he, or doesn't really live consciously, I guess. No. He goes through the motions. So Adam is then interrupted by his doorbell ringing, and there is a group of men who rang his doorbell and left. Adam watches them from the window and just begins to play scales on a violin very dramatically. I love how this is like a big, I think, commentary on Lestat, or at least reference to, like with I the guitars so. and the violins and everything. Yeah. I think so. Even though he's more of a Louie mentally. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Even in looks, even in looks, he's more of a Louie. Yeah. Eve is on the phone with a travel agent setting up night flights to get her to Detroit. And she's just surrounded by different currency and different passports. And after that is all set up, she just begins speed reading books in different languages and packs a suitcase just full of different volumes. She is a true goal. She's got honestly she's, got she's, she's living the life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Reading books, a husband, but he's not on top of her. Right. Living, living in Tangier, yeah. in the market. Yes. She's she's living a pretty good life. So Ian rings Adam's doorbell again and gives Adam the wooden bullet that he requested, and he's thanked for it. He then invites Ian to sit down and gives him more money that Ian then tries to refuse, but eventually does take. Adam then asks him, like, how... He calls them the Rock Kids, which, (laughs) yeah, just, like, super weirdly antiquated. Sounds like a grandpa, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How the Rock Kids knew where he lived, and Ian says he doesn't know, but will spread fake rumors to throw them off track. And Adam sends him away saying that there's something he has to do. Mm-hmm. Eve goes to Christopher, who's sitting on a pier, and he tells her that he dreamt of her little sister, Ava. He then tells her he's worried that something will happen to her and her as an Eve. And he asks why she doesn't live with Adam since they can't seem to live without each other. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really respond to that. But then Christopher wishes her well and sends her off. That's annoying. I think that it's it's a useful technique, but I find annoying in films that there's a lot of somebody says something and then there's no response. <laughs> that is a lot of this movie. People are just 
almost like talking to ask the question for the audience. Mm-hmm. But like also the filmmakers, I just want you to think for yourself and it's okay. I appreciate that, but at some point I do like people to say something yeah. um, themselves. <laughs> As I said in the beginning, I don't actually remember if I said this, but this movie's extremely atmospheric. I don't think I said that, but mm-hmm. most just, of this movie's just like the vibes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. It's not like an action film like we've done before when yeah, it comes to vampires. More, exactly. Yeah. We just keep finding ways to not reinvent, but re explore the vampire. Yeah. So Adam is at home and he loads a small pistol with that wooden bullet and points it at his heart, but only says bang with his mouth and doesn't actually shoot. (laughs) On the plane, Eve is reading uh, love poems written by Marlo, which I think was cute. (laughs) And then the man next to her cuts his finger on a can and she watches the blood super transfix, but the flight lands and Eve is driven by a taxi through a super desolate part of town to Adam's house. She is entranced, she's enchanted by a skunk that passes by. And I just thought that was so cute. <laughs> just yeah. when I included it. The like, skunks oh, are animals. super cute. Yeah, they are super cute. And just I think yeah, she probably interacts with animals very little. There's also a few animals in this, which yeah. I was like, I would definitely have a million pets, like all the pets I could have. I don't know. Not like at one time but mm-hmm. just definitely have a companion with me i wasn't gonna have a human companion physically with me i was about to say i'd finally be friends with a bear yes oh my gosh <laughs> why so cute if not friend and you can mm-hmm. run away from it if you have to <laughs> i will say this is a depiction of vampires where they're not like supernaturally strong or anything they're just like people just yeah. yeah so maybe not friends with bears because i think <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they could actually kill kill you. Oh, too strong. <laughs> so, finally, Adam and Eve are together. Their whole greeting, etc., is very like central. Even like of her taking off her gloves, which she has a matching pair with him. Obviously, hers are cream and Aww. his are black. Aww. They lay on the couch, and she teases him about the state of his home because it's a wreck, and reveals more about their very long life. And he apparently gave Schubert his quartet adagio movement, which I feel like one thing that is kind of like, okay, that sometimes is done in movies is these long-lived characters affected every like major event in the world or had a hand in it or had a part in it. And it's, or they could have just been around. They do that a couple times in this. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, Ref- I don't know, referencing what they know, but for who? Like- right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> anyway, Adam is super melancholy about the world and sad that all the scientists he loved were persecuted. He mentions that the humans have tainted their blood and the water, like high future, and mm-hmm. then they go to sleep. Is and that when she says the flipping the hourglass line? Uh, maybe. I just thought that was like the only bits of plot that we get is at some point we can edit it around if it's later but he says the the whole hourglasses or the whole they've ruined all time so we should flip the hourglass then and that references the very last scene the very last scene is kind of like oh they finally did something plot ish Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah there's very little plot to this but it's still enjoyable yeah Uh, the next night 
They go on a walk through the abandoned part of the city before then going on a drive through the abandoned part of the city. They talk about how everyone left, but the people will be back because there's water there. And when the cities in the South are burning, that's where they'll go. And I'm like, as climate change is heavily affecting the South, which is where we live. Yeah. If you look at a map of like, where's going to be viable in decades, it's literally like the Michigan area. Yeah. 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 Yep. (laughs) He then takes her to Jack White's house and tells her Jack White is his mother's seventh son, which is a very... Um, common theme in a lot of folklore in the West to be the seventh son of a seventh son is Mm -hmm. like the ultimate you were meant for greatness you're going to have an adventure you're going to be some kind of hero so that is a pretty cool fact yeah he then takes her to the Michigan theater which has been long since abandoned from its original function and now is really a car park but it's still a theater like you drive into it and It's still super ornate, but you just park your car there. It's very strange. (laughs) They go home. They play chess. She asks him all about the old great writers. And then she gives him a surprise of a blood popsicle from the freezer, which he claimed was broken, but she just, it just needed to be plugged in. (laughs) So to me, I'm just like, it's like he's so disconnected from the world as he's honestly creating his own misery at this point. Literally. Yeah. And she's, you don't have to be like this. Mm-hmm. You can find new things to entertain you. Right. Uh, hence but making he, him a blood popsicle. Yeah. But he, he just rejects everything that she says, even when he's opining about like his old writers that he loves. She's mm-hmm. oh yeah. That pompous ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So then they play a game of chess and they listen to Charlie Feathers, Can't Hardly Stand It, but mm. then the power starts to fade and then dies. Mm. They go down to the backyard where we see an absolute mess of a power grid that he feels <laughs> is antiquated, which he's not wrong. And he has built a personal power supply that I just said uses fake movie science to work. <laughs> he fixes it and the power comes back on. Eve then finds toadstool mushrooms, which if you don't know those look, they literally look like the ones from Mario, like red with white dots (laughs) in the backyard. And it's weird because they're not supposed to grow there until fall. And Mm. she's like, basically go back to sleep and come back. We need you to Mm. be here. Mm. Back inside. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Adam plays dress up with the doctor clothes again because he has to go back to the blood bank. Mm -hmm. Adam then tells Eve that he had a dream about her sister as well, and it was a bad dream. After he leaves, Eve just looks at all the pictures and paintings of famous musicians and authors all over his walls. Oh, man. Are there any women? I paused. I couldn't see one. (laughs) No, there are no women there. (laughs) Eve then finds the pistol with the wooden bullet and can tell what it is based on sight and smell. Mm -hmm. Dr. Watson starts to question Adam about needing more sunlight. Obviously understanding that Adam is a vampire, like he knows. Yeah. He knows we know, we all know. Right. But sure. Adam gets home with the blood. Eve immediately confronts him about it, asking if it's for another vampire. He says he never sees any of the other vampires. And she points it at her chest and he gets upset with her. And he claims it's because he's sick of humans. And mm-hmm. he, she tells him the self-obsession is waste, 
being living. Like he's wasting his life because he's so self-obsessed that he should Mm -hmm. appreciate all the things life has to offer. Mm-hmm. So they have very different outlooks on life. And it's implied throughout the movie that she is a lot older than him, vampirically. So, yeah, I, like, I didn't remember them explicitly saying, but in the things that I watched, she's 3,000 and he's 500. Oh. So she's much older. She's much, much older. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They don't say that. I just glean that through how she talks about things and how she moves through the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that means he's of his time to be so like melancholy. Yeah, like, what is that? Exactly. 17th century. No. Yeah, the uh, the romantic. Or, yeah, yeah. Just depressed. Just, yeah, hello. And that's what also makes more sense. That's also why it didn't make sense to me if, if she's so much older and she's literally telling you, you "No, know, I have seen societies become crumble, like crumble, and then be rebuilt." Mm-hmm. Like she literally has seen that. Why don't you believe her? He's like, no, it's impossible. No. Yeah. He just doesn't listen to reason, basically. Yeah, I just realized my math is wrong. He that'd be more like almost like 15th century, 14th century. Mm-hmm. But really his characterization is more like the Byronic period. Very yeah. <laughs> that's like more of how he conducts himself. So yeah, I, I feel like those, those numbers are a little bit, they're just saying numbers. And again, I don't remember even when they said that, but that's what was refer- referred to. I'm like, okay, sure. That's the age. Sure. Uh-huh. To get past this conversation, she just puts on some music and dances to it before coaxing him to dance too. <laughs> Again, this movie is just very like chill. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. So they go for another drive. They wax poetically about a diamond at the heart of a dwarf star sounding like a gong. Yeah. Eve tells him that she and Marlo also dreamt of her sister and that her sister's likely looking for them. That was Adam, like it really sets up something big's going to happen with the sister. I really thought like, they reference her. We don't know what happened. They refuse to give us more information. Yeah. We, we don't actually find out much about her, but Adam is not pleased by this and wants her to be locked away with a stake in her heart. So obviously she's done something. Yeah, He's done with her. <laughs> they get home. The lights are all on. The music is playing. Adam grabs a wooden post to go confront this person and they get upstairs and guess who it is? It's Eve's mm-hmm. sister, Ava, on their couch. Mm-hmm. And I have a note here. It says, <laughs> we are 66 minutes into the movie before she even arrives. Is yeah. this movie really about her? The pacing is off. Yeah. Live thoughts from Ashley. No, honestly, you're right. I think the only reason that they probably reference that is it because it's the only like discernible action i guess that happens that switches them out mm-hmm. of what they're doing because they probably would have just driven around forever and talked a lot if, if <laughs> nothing else and nobody else had entered their lives <laughs> i agree with you <laughs> ava hugs them both what i'm gonna read you exactly what i've written okay okay <laughs> quote ava hug hung them both but they're feel thrilled what? <laughs> I don't know. But she hugs them and they're not happy about it. They're not happy yeah. that she's there. Eve is because it's her sister, but like Adam is very much not. Mm-hmm. Ava says she sent them a message, which is why they all had dreams. Again, like establishing this lore of what vampires might be able to do, but we never go into it. Right. They chastise her for not asking to cross the threshold vampire shtick. Yeah, and she literally says it's antiquated. Are you still afraid of garlic? 
Yeah. Clearly it's not true because she came in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Eve, Eve says it's quote unquote bad luck to the vampires, which I thought was a good, so they're, now they're just viewed as superstitious, like superstitious right. old vampires. <laughs> like, oh, mom. Okay, mom. <laughs> or big sis. So Ava says she lives in LA and that, because they're, they're like, why are you alone, basically? Why'd you come here alone? And she's, I live in LA and also I'm not alone because I'm here with you. Which is not an answer. Oh, yeah. Um, Adam says she can't stay with them after last time, which was in Paris, 87 years prior. She then asks to be fed. Um, Eve makes Adam go get the blood and she tries to see where he keeps it, but Eve won't let her. (laughs) She claims they're all going to have fun together and Eve does seem apprehensive about this. (laughs) And Adam is just pissed off because she drank most of their O negative. Eve talks him down saying everything's going to be okay. But they're later woken out of their sleep by Ava in the middle of the day like a kid and then she asked them to just wake up yeah ava keeps so, trying to find out where they keep their blood but is sent away to go get dressed again she she acts like a literal seven-year-old maybe i'm not around yeah kids. it's weird because it's if if there be lestat and, and louis she would be the claudia but she like she doesn't age from i don't know if she's supposed to be like 16 17 i think around that age mm-hmm. but she does really act like even younger than that and I don't know if it's supposed to be like a commentary on the LA scene in general, but she's just like ridiculously kind of like if if you went crazy with all of the powers that you could have, or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I feel like she's more of a commentary on like she's consuming modern human culture all the time. So mm-hmm. she's like our best representation of actual mm-hmm. humans versus mm-hmm. the humans that we see in the film who are just like throwaways. I think she also represents like overindulgence. Mm-hmm. in a For general sure. fashion really, yeah yeah <clears throat> after she gets dressed she's on watching a 70s inspired vampire music video adam doesn't like it and makes everyone turn it off before serving blood he's honestly just a grumpy old man yeah <laughs> ava says she isn't feeling well and adam thinks is blood poisoning from unclean blood which i think they're using unclean to say like drugs here mm-hmm. um she chugs her portion of the blood and immediately tries to get more, but Adam won't let her. Honestly, they drink like a shot glass worth at a time and she's just like chugging. Yeah. She's okay, but then she wants to hear his music, which he basically doesn't let anyone listen to. <laughs> he says no, but she says she's already heard it over in LA at an underground music club. <laughs> Ava's like a child and pushes to go out for the evening. And Eve agrees to it, um, saying that it'd be good to go out. Adam says no. And immediately the next scene is them out at, at a venue listening to a band. Just cut to it. Yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> Ian is there with him and meets up with some other folks who Adam feels knows him from the looks that they're giving him. Ava is also like hitting on Ian. And Ian tries to put on sunglasses to fit in with the vampires who are all wearing uh, sunglasses inside. Pretty Mm -hmm. cute. Ian's just trying to fit in. (laughs) He offers to get Ava a drink and she pulls out a flask that she had filled at home somehow. And all the vampires drink. And Ava's about to let Ian, the human, drink the blood. But before he can get it, it's snatched away by Adam. Yeah. 
Which, like, what the fuck? It seems like she she does literally love to spread chaos. I, because, yeah. like, she's been around humans a lot. Why would you just, what do you think was about to happen? I'm so confused. He'd be like, this is blood. And she'd be like, ha ha. <laughs> Isn't it funny? <laughs> Honestly, she probably could get away with it because she's just a weird, she seems like a weird girl. <laughs> like, yes, I have blood. I carry blood around. <laughs> As they're sitting there, Adam's music actually does start to play in the club. And he gets very upset. And they all have to leave. <laughs> They're at home and like Adam and Eve are trying to shoot Ian out of the house, but Ava insists to keep him around. So Adam and Eve go to sleep, leaving Ian with Ava, the chaotic woman. Uh, But he doesn't like. (laughs) No. So of course, the next night, Adam is awoken by Eve and she has uh, filled a flask for Ava and says that Ava needs to leave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to which Adam agrees. It's honestly been like a day and a half. He's been wanting her. He's like, I never wanted her. Please. Right. <laughs> so it Eve then walks in on Ava's room, finding it to be empty. And then she finds like down in the living room area that Ava has drank Ian dry while also destroying a lot of shit in the living room. Yeah. She wakes up Ava, who says she couldn't help it because he was so cute and that now <laughs> her stomach hurts. So Adam comes in and is very upset that she drank Ian, which is exactly what he says. He's like, you drink Ian. (laughs) Adam literally throws her shit out on the curb and tells her to go back to LA. And she's, you guys are condescending snobs. Mm -hmm. Just like maybe a bit, but you're a bad house guest. Adam is upset that Ava didn't just turn Ian. And then they're like, now we can also be linked to Ian because they're all out in public together. Mm. And then think about things. Also, they found out that Ava broke his 1905 Gibson guitar too. So like really just came in here and fucked up his whole life. Yeah. Did what he knew she was going to (laughs) do. So they roll Ian into some old carpet, put him in the trunk of their car and drive him to an abandoned building where they throw him into a foul bit of water that seems to also be mostly chemicals, which eat away his body. Back at home, Eve is calling a bunch of travel agents to get them flights back to Tangier. The rock and roll kids, that's what I call them, (laughs) are there again at the house, so they have to leave immediately. They catch their flight to Tangier, connecting through Madrid, Though Adam has to leave all of his instruments and musical equipment behind, so it makes him sad. Mm. They take a taxi through the city to get back to Eve's neighborhood. And by this time, they've been without blood for a while. And you can see that it's starting to affect them. So they Mm. trudge their way to Eve's place where they sleep for the day. Eve wakes up and tries to call Marlo, but he doesn't pick up. So she wakes up Adam and tells him, Hey, we got to go find him, but they're in pretty rough shape at this point. They get to Christopher's place, but Bilal is the one who answers and tells them that Kit, which is apparently what they call Christopher, is not Mm -hmm. feeling well. He takes them back to the bedroom where Christopher is bedridden, and he gives them each a sip of the last bit of blood that he has. Mm -hmm. Apparently that French doctor isn't at the hospital anymore, so Christopher ended up getting contaminated blood. And he tells them to avoid the hospital. Whoa. They wax poetically a bit for about his writings throughout the ages. And then he actually dies. And the three of them mourn him. 
they again i don't know if jim jarmusch is just likes theories but they again say that like he wrote shakespeare's plays and that is a theory about christopher right. Marlowe, but like it's not particularly new or interesting or having groundbreaking developments. So I don't really know what. <laughs> also, they say a lot of people wrote Shakespeare's uh, right. plays. Honestly, there's questions if even Shakespeare was a real person or if he yeah, was just like many different ghosts. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, they still need blood. So they sip on the very last bit of blood from the flask that they have and they don't know what to do. Eve says she's going to go get Adam a present. Mm-hmm. And she asked him for money, which I thought was funny for some reason, and then just <laughs> leads him off. She like leaves him in a corner and tells him like, don't move. And then of course he immediately goes <laughs> somewhere else. Um, he's tempted off into a cafe where Yasmin Hamdan, who is a Lebanese singer, is singing. A real Lebanese singer, yeah. A real Lebanese singer who I really like her music. And Eve shows up behind him and they begin listening. They, they play a whole song. Eve has given him an oud, which is a lute-like Middle Eastern instrument. Mm-hmm. Now they have officially run out of blood. So they take off their gloves and wax poetically about human blood being mostly water and how the water wars have just begun. Mm-hmm. As they're sitting there, they see a couple making out and they watch the couple for a while talking about string theory and quantum entanglement, <laughs> really just talking. <laughs> and then as they're talking, they realize they have no choice but to eat said couple, even mm-hmm. though Eve says she wants to turn them rather than kill them. Yeah. And so they approach the couple with their fangs out and that's the end of the movie. That's the film. And I think this is officially the first time we've done a two hour movie and half the time. <laughs> Just I, yeah that's what a lack of plot will do but yeah there's um, no real plot to this um yeah i would actually say though it's not necessarily in a bad way unlike the german witch movie that we watched which also didn't really have a lot going on but also was very much unenjoyable to watch yeah this has that one enough... felt longer it weirdly did. yeah yeah <laughs> And it was shorter. Yeah. <laughs> this one is pretty chill to watch. Like you can put it on in the background while you're doing something else. Or if you're just like a lump on the couch, it's a pretty good mm-hmm. movie for that. If it's like raining or something. The second time I saw this was at a independent theater in DC. I don't even know if it exists post pandemic, but mm. It just had couches and like lawn chairs set up for you to sit in. And there's an intermission halfway through movies. So Uh they literally stop and the lights come on and you walk to the back of the room and they have like popcorn and snacks. Okay. And then you can go back and sit in your lawn chair and continue to watch. Oh, that's super nice. Yeah, that'd be a great way to enjoy this. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the second time I saw this with a friend Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, this is pretty, pretty chill. Yeah. It was also $5, so not like I was... Oh. Yeah. Uh, but that's a pretty good way to watch this. Don't go in being like, I'm going to write my dissertation on this movie because... Yeah. I really wouldn't say anything new particularly was said, but mm-hmm. it's just an interesting exploration on, like I said, like old, like old vampire ideals in the new modern time. And then I think it was just also a big like commentary on art 
requiring humans, but a lot of times artists feeling superior to like regular people and also disconnected from them. Mm-hmm. Like you require them for both your salary literally and to get constant new information. But I can't relate and I don't know, understand, but I feel like that's what he was saying. And then also the videos that I watched and some of the things I read talk about how it's probably also a commentary on whiteness and drawing from historic history and hegemony. And especially like how he, he romanticizes particularly white men that he just glazes over the negative things that he did. And even when Eve outright says like those people suck, he just doesn't respond. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if he's from the era I think that they have really based his character on, that makes complete Mm -hmm. sense. That is Mm -hmm. what science and popular theory thought at the time. Like, they only respected basically (laughs) well-educated white male scientists, and not even all of those, to be honest. So that was very much the thought. That was the vibe. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't really think about this in terms of white deaths, but I guess those are the people who could just languish through the centuries and not have to be impacted by basically anything. Yeah, that was the big theme that I found. And also just the theory of, in general, like eternal return of Mm -hmm. constant. Because even earlier in the film, they mentioned Eve's like the last time this happened, last time you were depressed. So even though at the end of the film, it seems like he's not really depressed or they found something to do by turning this couple it has, to me at least, it suggested that he's probably going to get depressed again in the future and just mm-hmm. um, keep the cycle going. And yeah, yeah and just you know, the record keeps spinning. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's exactly what this is. And I, I think it's actually, despite us saying nothing really happened in it, I do think that this is a pretty good movie. I do find it to be pretty enjoyable. Yeah. And again, it's it's not it's not a deep thinker, and it's just fun. It's got good music. And it does have very good music. Yeah. So I definitely recommend you check it out. I think I saw this on Tubi again. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's also on HBO Max for now, at least. Maybe that's where I saw it. I love <laughs> the services I have. I didn't have to go rent it. So it's yeah. it's out there. It's pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. I recommend it. So for next week, I believe we have something special for yeah. you guys mm-hmm. and they're one of our favorite films and we discuss it in depth very in depth even more in depth than usual <laughs> for some reason can be found at fsrpod.com and river podcast can be found we can also be found on both instagram and twitter at the handle fsr podcast if you enjoyed this episode please rate and review since that's the best method for our podcast to reach a wider audience And we love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. If you have any suggestions for future films or any commentary on what we've said before, love to hear from you. And otherwise, we'll hear from you next time. Okay. Until next time. Bye. Bye.